You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon, Pat. How are you? I'm very well, mate. Um, I'm stationary. You're moving, as I can hear, and um, yeah. I'm glad yeah. of it. Uh, it's it's a Monday afternoon <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I wish I was in your shoes, not in, not in my own. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, your shoes are not that bad, mate. A little yeah. bit stinky, but that's all right. A little bit, little bit scuffed, a little bit stinky, but um, yes, my shoes are uh, in motion in beautiful uh, Melbourne traffic, which, um, yeah, is back probably worse than it was before the pandemic, I reckon. So. Yeah, happy days, hey? Yeah, happy days. Yeah, happy days. and we're deep in winter for all those people living their best life, uh, win- uh, summerside. In the northern hemisphere, um, and you can feel you can feel it, can't you? You can. We're in the like we're in the what I call like the it's the pit of, of winter, isn't it? Like winter starts, and everyone's like, "Oh, winter! It's chilly." Whereas now everyone's just absolutely over the the cold. They're over the rain. They're over the the cold kind of dark nights. You know the yeah. People are just over it. They're over their auntie, they're over their uncle, they're over their yeah. neighbor. They're over, <laughs> <laughs> they're over everyone. <laughs> yeah. They're over it. Uh, they're not across it, over. but they're over it. They're done. Yeah. They're absolutely done. Yeah. 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 So so bless us down south. So if you can hear it in our voices, uh, good on you, but there's a bit of pretext yeah. for you. For sure. Um, for sure. And uh, we're, we're going to dive into... As bold as it may sound, uh, how to fairly distribute the the uneven race that is, you know, the zero to one or the game around distributing and um, distributing value and and disrupting sort of verticals. And you know, you've spoken a lot about how Peter Thiel wrote that book, that famous book, and um, and a lot of people have have read those pages and applied that methodology. And the argument could be said for why we're here now. Um, and we're sort of looking at it, at least from memory, we're going to go into it on this conversation yep. as your as your shoes move very fast through the eastern suburbs um, around the different ways that this may, you said it best off air, how scraps may be left on the table for others to be able to, to build off. And maybe that is actually beginning to be part of a, I don't know, a, a value or a, or a strategy around how to actually disrupt because now everyone's on the same peter teal level like what does that actually look like and how to how to differentiate in uh in all the bald men out there yeah totally totally like it's become um i mean it's it's like you know like it's whatever you look for in in life in any ecosystem there's apex predators right and Mm. i think in our age like the apex predators are really they're technology companies that you know a lot of the playbook um i mean first off i think it's instructive that peter Thiel actually didn't write it Right. It's actually yeah. that one of his students actually, you know, in the first act of serfdom, really, um, kind of, you know, mm. <laughs> you know, wrote up his course notes that he kind of divined to basically talk about off the cuff. But really, when you cut through it all, the the philosophy behind it all is how do you actually get to monopoly? How do you come to so completely dominate a market that there's nothing left for anyone else that you don't actually control? And I think that's that's where we find ourselves in a lot of aspects. And, you know, traditionally you would look to government to, to regulate, right. Or you would look to kind of um, consumers to start to move, move towards an alternate choice, etc. I just think we're at a point in time where technology companies have become 
so big and so global that it's very, very difficult for kind of, it's almost like they're rewriting the rule book for how they actually need to be governed. And I think when you think about it in, in that way, that they are the ultimate apex predator, it's then, you know, who's going to be the rebels that actually start to look at things and start to do stuff in a different, in a different way. And I think that, you know, the only government, sure, will regulate and will do some things around that, but they're, they're really, really far behind in terms of the actual market dominance of a lot of, you know, what you would say are the big five or six technology players. Yeah, it's it's true. And then you actually look at like the the, the numbers and the staff around PR and sort of controlling the narrative and it's a, once again swayed towards a certain a certain few. But it's interesting the zero to like what's happened and then you take the case of Netflix, so and and yeah. market dynamics. I think this is an interesting one to dive off off the back end of this and that's Netflix came in, disrupted the Hollywood sector, it sort of disrupted Blockbuster, if anyone can remember that. And yeah. and now we're in an interesting place where that's actually it's it's dead itself and it's it, it didn't quite eat it all but it gave a model to a lot of others to try and start stealing that pie back and now we've we've sort of shelled out something and we're forming back to some some form of cable TV that worked for a long while but we have none of the infrastructure behind it and we've obviously got no. technologies that are going to disrupt it but it's um it's a fascinating conversation to have around how do you actually build in that that scraps on the table and that that value back for others to build it because a lot of these ecosystems or these these spaces that you know have got to monopoly they rely on contributions of others and what does that look like going forward and how can the monopoly you know learn to share as you go past go or actually allow ip and are we seeing any examples of that or are we just going to the absolute extreme like reddit's a good case as well but it's a fascinating like i'm not professing to have any of the answers but i think i feel like netflix has shot itself in the foot but i would argue that that is market dynamics that has done that everyone was really frothy around an, an opportunity to make a big buck and They've never made a big buck, but geez, they've spent it and they've ruined an industry. It's it's fascinating with that sort of ethos of of going to global domination. Yeah, for sure. And like it's what what the um, Netflix is actually like. It's it's the death or the dying kind of spasms of long form content, right? So it's in this kind of you know it's almost this kind of they're still an intermediary between the content creator and their audience. And I think that's the, mm-hmm. that's the thing that's kind of actually, I think, really, really happened. And when you look at, you know, the way that even sports rights are starting to go global, in terms of the, the way that they're actually getting structured with the death of kind of like, particularly in the States, around teams are now actually needing to basically go direct, direct to their own fan base. So it's the same dynamic that's playing out, which is that technology always, favors the biggest aspects of our life, not necessarily the, the smallest. And if you are small, the job to be done to become is really to get to your customer as quickly as you can, right? So you specialize, you have a particular niche, and you have to get everyone else out of your way that fits in between you and those people. And I think that's, you know, where we talk about like scraps on the table. I think the first part of it is that to understand that the size of the scraps that are left are quite big. But what you have to think about is different ways to play play the game than what these guys are playing. And that's, you know, arguably what, like, things like TikTok have become platforms for allowing creators to get directly to their consumer, if that makes sense. Whereas mm. Netflix is still sitting in between, 
between you and actually charging you kind of, you know, $14, $15 a month to watch reruns of Seinfeld, right? Whereas you can do that in lots of other places. So it's kind of, I think it's, it's about directness and like even more middle people getting pushed out of the relationship. It really is about, they're actually the ones that are now taking more and more of the scraps, if that makes sense, for people who actually foreseeably should be having them. So hmm. I think that's, well, then it's, yeah, that's, that's how I think about it anyway. Is that the scraps are worthwhile, but they're, you know, the, the dynamic we live in, most people can't do anything about it, but they have to understand that they have to get as many of their own intermediaries out of the way as they possibly can. Mm, which is interesting. A lot of people say TikToks are feed into YouTube and, and they're right in terms of getting actual cash in the bank and getting deals, but it's it's slowly changing as sort of uh, brand deals go different and branding content goes different. But yeah, bang on with Netflix just being that intermediary that's just filled yeah. the void. And yeah, it's just a really good point around how it's the middleman's dying and that, that's a great thing, but you've still got YouTube who hold the platform. So it's a platform yeah, that allows correct. creators to thrive. And the the argument there is that they don't, uh, YouTube and social don't own your content, so to speak, in terms of the IP, um, yeah. but Netflix do and they can sell the series and move it on and, and, and change it around that. And that's sort of like the Hollywood model that is that is dying and has changed. And now you've got players like Mr. Beast and all these others who, you know, they're getting more eyes on their, their stuff than um, the Super Bowl or any other big sporting event. It's uh, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's, it's the way that people consume content, like at a younger generation. It's changed forever, right? So it's like you try getting, you know, anyone to sit down under the age of 12 to watch anything over and above eight minutes, forget it, right? And that's, you know, but that's, that's a permanent shift that is behavioral driven by the pace that technology and stuff moves at these days and kind of like their attention spans are shorter, right? So that's that's kind of known, known fact. But the piece that you raised that's really, really important is that the, there's still someone between that creator, mm-hmm. right, as the, as the distributor. And that's where I think it's really problematic for that scale still always wins. So if TikTok decides that they don't suddenly don't like, you know, this episode, right? I mm-hmm. mean, if we take it into our own context, um, it just gets pushed down the algorithm, right? So, and we're ending up in a world where it's popularity that matters, not mm-hmm. necessarily things that are diverse and interesting, which is a very challenging, I think, place to be because things that are popular aren't always the most interesting. And yeah. things that are interesting aren't always the most popular. Yeah, that's, you're hitting on the editorial there. Like what we what what drives the editorial now isn't, isn't necessarily uh, a group of people sitting and going, we want to push this. It's it's commerce and it's trends and it's eyeballs and how long to keep them there, which is, it's a different take on an editorial, but it's it's across platforms and many of them. Um, and yeah, short form yeah. Is, is winning um, and it keeps you there but for that's, longer. But that's your point on Reddit, right? Like Reddit is really interesting because it doesn't try to, it doesn't try to really commercialize, right? They might and they probably should, but it doesn't really try to commercialize kind of what, someone's perspective actually is and i guess that's the it's those types of kind of open source platforms that are direct that are to me the the secret sauce of how the small might become big again so to speak right they could be the new free-to-air television channels really yeah it'd be yeah but they've changed the model which will be interesting to see how they go because they're obviously wanting to get funding so it's it's a hard nut to crack and it's and it's messy but it's 
it's in the air, which is sort of exciting. And I think it's worth thinking about that. And to your point that the scraps are on the table, it's like you, you think of these companies that were built not long ago and now that they, they are the apex, it's like it feels like their time's coming. So what is that? And and then when we boil it down and when both you and I are looking at that, it's like it's who you can attract to spend the time. Like you look at threads, is threads going to survive and actually be able to propagate people putting enough time and energy in there to give a crap to then get people circling yeah. around it's well, you're, ta- you're talking about you're talking about the the meta the meta threads product is that what yeah. you're talking about you yeah. yeah like that's that's 100 percent gonna work because they've done the hard part for you right which is that if you have a following on instagram and facebook which is likely a lot of people do it just instantly populates them into this so like i think it's probably to me it is a twitter killer in terms of what it actually actually could achieve in terms of where where it goes but i wanted to ask kind of like because these are all examples of ad supported Mm. platforms right so like do you think like do you think there's ever a way to escape that because no one ever really has in the history of media has ever been able to escape the need to commercialize the eyeballs that are in front of you yeah is there i I don't know the answer if i did i'd be in a different position i reckon but i like i I don't think they're there is the commercial aspect of of that like it just in terms of content unless you have a different agenda into who's funding it but then it's still an agenda that's funding it do you know what i mean like there's it's still a commercial aspect of of eyeballs and and what what are people doing there and that's that's valuable in the attention economy so it's yeah i don't i don't think there is but what's your take like um no, I, 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 tend to, I tend to agree. I mean, so many people have had, you know, whether it's subscriptions, so, you know, like if you argue in today's world, like quality kind of content, you know, would you pay for certain aspects? Sure, right? But it's kind of, it tends to be, you know, quite quite niche and you're not going to pay that much. So kind of getting access to those journalists that you like or those, those teams, like a great example I always hold up is The Athletic, which is like, it's like a sports-only mm. paper, like 12 bucks a month. I mean, it's a great app. I, I have it because I really like a lot of the, the people that are on there, but they can't make it work. So they've introduced advertising. Now that's stalled all the time in the, in the UX. They've had to fire a whole bunch of kind of people to make it profitable. And therefore you kind of go, this isn't actually going to work, right? It's actually never going to be able to actually make, make money, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because the second they start cutting back on the quality of the product, your propensity to want to stay is, less and less over time but the, the secret would be if the team themselves who are covered ever actually decided to do that themselves you know completely jump across the content owners themselves employing the journalists i do think they would be able to make way more money than something like the athletic would be able to so. yeah if they're bold enough they are doing that but it's not bold it's like they've they've got to look after all their sponsorship deals and all those like you know it gets yeah. complicated because it starts moving to businesses but if someone was bold enough like a man chester united like an arsenal or whoever to really take control it's obviously narrative but i think we've spoken about this before i think the real value is allowing the smaller fans to own that because that's where you start to attract like interest and that's where i think the media is going like that's why i read it's interesting that's why 
YouTube's any it's like where you can have a say, feel heard, or just observe on the sidelines. Yeah. Like it has to be uh what's the word? Like it's dynamic, it's not one way. And I think that's what we're sort of talking and realizing with sure. say say long form content. If you did long form content but you still had a say, it was still in interactive. You weren't just it wasn't a passive experience in terms of just sitting there one way, receive. It's a give and receive. That's sort of where media's changed and I think where it's growing. And then for like organizations, it's like where the value is, is how can you spark that conversation, keep it alive? And there is true engagement. And that's that's like a new yep. a new commodity in, in the sense of how to sell stuff. Like that's what people look for. But then it's like for sure. yeah, it's the agree. real value, which is scary. Like the new commodities community, like that's that's what it is. And it's it's a fascinating space and it's who can who can do interesting things with that. I think you can start to look at different media like that's when you can look at things differently in terms of what is commerce. I think commerce for participation is that's when you can get a subscription model, but it isn't one person driving it. It's like it's it's the group driving that, so to speak, or a core group or something moving. Yeah, and that. people participate in the value of it, right? I mean, exactly. I think it's, you know, like you're you're spot on. Like if in a in a creator based world, right? Even if you like two different examples. So like, I mean, you kind of pick someone like, uh, I don't know, like kind of like people who are super popular, like Taylor Swift, like mm-hmm. can basically she can do what, and I think she's in on this, by the way, like, I think she understands that she is the content. So therefore, however she plays out that content is the best way for her to actually be able to do that. But then if she was smart, she'd be able to have everyone else around her in terms of her fans. And if they're reporting on a concert and there's kind of there's clicks and there's everything else that goes with it, there's a way that she allows them to actually participate in it at a micro level. Yeah. That's one, one example, but you can also see that in sports, right? I mean, if you, like, take your love of Arsenal, for example, like if Arsenal really wanted to do something bold, they could easily do all of that, which is that they allow their own fans, to, which they already do, by the way. They create all these channels around mm-hmm. it, but it's the, the club itself platforming those fans not allowing that to be across YouTube and TikTok. It's actually about the club itself being big enough to platform these people and see it as part of their role. And I think that's, to me, where that's where the scraps on the table become something meaningful. That we get not these gigantic apex predators, but we get really big businesses or valuable things that actually start to build community around them. That's definitely a foreseeable future, I see, for where it's all starting to go. Yeah, you're getting strong imagery in the brain as you're scooting along probably past eastern suburbs by now. But, you know, we're moving from all roads lead to Rome to sort of new new cities popping up where people just happy to, to exist in there and don't care about the periphery noise. But the key to that is to allow people to have voice in there to create that. So allow voice in Arsenal or allow Taylor Swift to share who she is and allow people to sort of build something off the back of that as long as she's holding that and hosting it, which is, which could genuinely answer some of the, the problems that are happening now in the echo chamber. It's admitting there's an echo chamber, you're bought into the echo chamber, and then it's like you can moderate a lot of the rubbish that goes along with online conversations that I think everyone's ready to sidestep except minus a few trolls out there. And it's like, well, that's just the way it is. But, yeah, it's a fascinating take, actually, and it's something that uh, – um, yeah, would would play out, but the key is to allow people's voice and then incentivize that to be able to monetize it to a degree, like yeah, so and that they can keep sure. showing up. Exactly, and this is like my slightly. We might have to get into this next episode, but this is my slightly contrarian view of like the internet, which is that really it should be a series of walled gardens. The problem 
at the moment is, is that it actually is not. Mm. It's not wall. It's not walled enough, right? So it's that you know really that the the walled gardens are too big and they tend to be in the in the hands of technology companies rather than being in the hands of smaller or individual companies, right? So if you take a sports right kind of thing, like the issue really is that the Premier League holds the rights in, in a football sense holds the rights to everything across it and basically controls that and distributes it through even bigger companies, which is Amazon, YouTube, etc., and kind of like your rights holders like a Scott. But if someone truly jumped jumped over that and actually said, no, 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 like our membership as a club is X and this is our data lake and we're going to build a wall around it, it's all of a sudden it's a changed game, right? Mm. It's a changed game. And that's, anyway, we will have to unpack that in the, in the next episode maybe because it's, to me, it's a big part of the answer of how you fight big, which is that you just stop, you stop participating in the way that you already actually build more walls, not have less. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It keeps going on that city analogy and around, you know, monoculture and you're starting to propagate different culture. Uh, that's, yeah, it's a fascinating one. I think we've got to go down there and see see what these walls Joe's trying to build. Yeah, I think it's valid. The challenge of the internet is that it's too... Yeah. We've all bought into the hype that the internet needs to be free. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe yeah, and it's like, what is the product and what cost? Both you and I. And Particularly in a world of like data and AI and everything else we're about to walk into, right? So the value of your data is, you know, which you talk about so well, is that it's, it's never been less valued on paper, but it's never been more valuable in practice. Mm. Yeah, let's do. Let's dive into that next week. It's a red hot topic that uh, needs to get pulled apart, and I want to see what bricks you're trying to build there, Joey. But um, <laughs> till then, I'll bring. I'll bring the shovel. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll bring the mortar. <laughs> All right, mate. Right. Till then. Thank you for listening to BAU Business as Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's B-A-U-P-O-D dot